Hold on, he just got a text. Um, uh, Elena needs three or four extra people in preschool worship. We've got too many people there. Okay, wait a minute. St sit down, thank you. Sit down, thank you. That was a test. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that was dirty. But here's my question is, what was your reaction? For some of you, blessed people, you jumped up to go. For some of you, you sort of got deeper into the cushions. It was like, no way am I going into preschool worship. What I'm trying to get at is, how do you feel about children? We're in a series, Changed by Jesus. And each week, we're looking at some different people Jesus encountered in the final weeks of his life on earth. He has announced, I am heading to Jerusalem. I, he knows what's coming. And he is heading there, aware of his future. Because he was also fully human, I can't believe there wasn't some added tension in Jesus' life. He knew what was coming as a human. And I think he was very intentional about who he took time to stop, encounter, interact with. And that's why I think it's interesting for us to look at some of these people Jesus touched and changed in the last weeks of his life. Last week we looked at a group of ten lepers. And Jesus healed them. But it was really an encounter about gratitude. And only one who said thank you. This week we want to look at a new group. Most of these will be individuals, but we happen to have two weeks in a row of a group. This week we look at a group of children who Jesus encountered. It's over in Mark 10. It's actually in several of the Gospels, but I want to read Mark's version. In Mark 10, um, I'm going to read 13 and 14 and 16, but keep your finger there. We're going to come back and read another verse later. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to his disciples, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then in verse 16 it says, And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now what we see in this story is that there are some different attitudes towards children. Remember Jesus, it is a tense time. I can't imagine the disciples didn't pick up on that a little bit. But first we see the parents. And as I've read in some of the commentaries, it was not unusual for parents to want to bring their children to a renowned rabbi, one who was highly respected, and to ask for that rabbi to pray a blessing over their children. So they were doing that for Jesus. By this point, he has been in ministry for three years. His reputation had preceded him. Everyone viewed him as a great rabbi. Maybe they didn't see him as the Messiah, but at least a powerful prophet. And so I think we shouldn't be surprised that as he's heading towards Jerusalem, he's finding parents bringing their small children to him that he would bless them. 
But then we see the other attitude of the disciples. In our modern terms, the disciples were Jesus' security team. And they were around him to sort of monitor who's coming and, and not bother him. And we know from other stories that by this point, his ability to heal, his ability to work miracles, there were enormous crowds wanting to see him, touch him, get close to him. So it's not, un, it's not wrong that the disciples were trying to bring some crowd control into the situation. But so they tell these parents, based on the disciples' decision, blessing children is obviously not a priority for Jesus. Get back. Well, then we see Jesus. Because Jesus, it says he was, when he watched what the disciples were doing to these parents, it says Jesus was indignant. And as I was studying this week and looking at that, I thought, you know, I haven't heard that a lot from Jesus, described as indignant. So I did a search, and there's only two times in the four Gospels that the word indignant is used with Jesus. One of the times was when he was accused of not caring. It says he was indignant. And the second time was here. When he saw his disciples telling parents, get your kids out of here. Jesus doesn't have time for your kids. Jesus doesn't interested in praying over your kids. When Jesus saw that happening, it says he was indignant. And he basically yelled at the disciples and said, stop it. Stop it. I want those kids here. Let them come. Bring the children to me. Don't keep them away. He welcomed them. He didn't just welcome them and said they can get close to me. It says he picked them up. He held them. He placed his hands on them and he prayed a blessing upon them. We see a totally different attitude by Jesus that those children were important to him. From this story, I want us to capture God's attitude towards children. We could do a Bible study this morning because there's all kinds of scriptures in the Old Testament where he's very clear to Israel. You have an obligation to teach your children about me, to pass on what I've taught you to them. God is very clear about it. But we see in Jesus, I think, the best picture of God's attitude towards children. In Mark 10, where he says, let them come to me. I want them to come to me. If you turn over to Mark 9, a chapter earlier, Jesus uses children to teach. It says he took a little child whom he placed among them. So he brings a little child into the center of the circle of all the crowd around him. And then picking up that child in his arms as he teaches with a child in his arms. He says to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but the one who sent me. How important are children to God, to Jesus? He says, well, if you're welcoming however you treat them, you're treating me. And I take it that seriously. I take it personally. Not only are you how you treat them, how you're treating me, how you treat them is how you're treating our Heavenly Father. 
I think there's a clear message, whether it's in the Old Testament passages of how important it is for us to pass on our faith to our children and to be good parents. Or we see in the heart of Jesus as he interacts with children and is indignant when people want to keep children away from him. We see that children must be a priority. That they're a priority to God, they're a priority to Jesus. How we treat our children, the children around us, Jesus takes it personally. And that needs to be true for each of us as individuals. It's certainly true for us as we parent or as we grandparent. But it's true for all of us as individuals as we interact with children. And it's true for us as a church. The children must be a priority for us. Our children and the children of our community. We as a congregation are to teach them, are to take care of them, are to protect them from harm. We are to encourage them. We are to pass along our faith to them. We are to introduce them to Jesus, introduce them to our Heavenly Father, that they might each know Him. We are to help them grow to become the person God wants them to be. This sermon was scheduled several months ago. I was amazed as I worked on this sermon and as I live in this community, the timeliness of this sermon. And I need to take a little bit of time for us to get real personal. Because the reality is, that our young people need our help now. Not just in a theoretical kind of way, but in a very practical, in a very real way. And I'm speaking of not only the youth in our church, but the youth and the children in our community. To help you understand this, as I had to be helped to understand this, you need to realize that if you're over bull ballpark at 30 degree, 30 years of age, if you're over 30, what you experienced in school is not what kids are experiencing today. And you need to take all of your memories, and for most of us, they were probably pretty pleasant, fun memories, and you need to just file those away on a shelf. Because that is not what kids are experiencing today in school. And that's not what school is, is like today. And you need to understand that. I understand there are some subjects that are the same and there are some sports that are the same. But what it's like is totally different. It is an extremely difficult place to be a child. There is high anxiety. There is high stress. There is a lot of darkness there is not clear right and wrong. Social media is an all-encompassing source of pressure and anxiety and fear and struggle. Peer pressure is constant. The lack of self-worth, the sense of isolation is epidemic. 
add to that the brokenness of families. It's not just what's happening in the schools. Our schools are a reflection of our culture. We were talking about the sermon today. I asked for prayer in the prayer meeting this morning. And somebody said, why is it so different? And I will own that as my generation. Because from the 60s on, we have said, it's all about me. And we don't need God. And that has been the message of our culture now for decades. And the fruit of that message is coming home to roost. Decades of saying, it's all about me and we don't need God or his truth or his morals. And so we are seeing the brokenness of families and the pain in homes and it's coming into the schools. And we are suddenly struck with an epidemic of suicide in our schools. And that's what's prompted me to take this time in this sermon. One high school in our district has had five suicides this year. You're not hearing about these because they've quit publishing them in the news because of the fear of kids doing copycat suicides. Another high school two, another high school one. A week ago, it moved into the middle school. Seventh grade girl. Because they feel they have no future, they have no hope, they are worthless, they are alone, nobody cares. And they take their life. And this is happening frequently enough. We have a problem. Our youth, our children need us. Our community's children and youth need us. The chief of police of Blaine just posted a YouTube video for the public to understand about this epidemic of suicide and to ask for help. It's that serious. It's that dark. I am constantly blown away. The number one killer of young adult males if you're like me, I would, somebody would ask me that, and I'd say, well, what's that, probably drinking or driving? When I was a young adult male, that would have been the number one killers. The number one killer of young adult males today is suicide. Young adult males who have all of their future ahead of them, all of their potential, and they see no future, no worth, and take their own life. That's brokenness. That is a world broken. We need to help. I want to suggest a couple things for us. One, Elena found, as we talked about this in the staff, an insert about suicide. It's not for people considering suicide. It's for us who need to educate ourselves. And if you're like me, for a lot of us, suicide is extremely unpleasant to think about. We may have a relative or a friend, and we just would rather not go there. 
But the problem is that leaves us ignorant and we don't understand how complicated it is, how it can happen. This is not an all-encompassing answer, but if you need to educate yourself about suicide, we have a, a stack of these on the information desk for you. The second thing we're going to do is this Wednesday night. Uh, oh, I, I forgot. In the bulletin, there is an article. The uh, Anoka Hennepin School District is having an informational meeting anyone can come to to just make us aware of what resources the school district has, how they want to help. And there's information in the bulletin of that meeting. You do not have to be a parent to go. They sent emails to the church to get the word out. The third thing is this Wednesday night at 6.30 in this room here, I'm going to lead a prayer time for an hour to pray about this. If you're not in a class, I'm not trying to take people out of classes, but if you're available, I would ask you to come and join us in prayer. The fourth thing I want us to do is have a week of prayer about this. As a church, I'd like, this was Elena's idea. I, it's a great idea. We need to pray about this. One of the ways to do that is to pray for a week intensely about this. On tables scattered out in the hallway now are sign-up sheets. Today, Sunday through next Saturday, an hour a day, 24 hours on the sheet. Sign up for an hour, would you please? Some of you can't sleep at night, sign up for the nighttime. Or some of you have to get up early or you night owls are still awake, sign up. You can sign up for more than one hour. But I, I, I would love to see us fill those sheets. You don't have to come here, just pray. Elena also came up with a list of things to pray about. It's two-sided. So you can fill an hour. It's ideas of what we need to be praying about. It's not just the young people, it's our people who work in the schools. It's the homes. We don't know what God can do through the power of prayer. I wish there was more we could do, but we can pray. And that may be the best thing we can do. We need to lift up our kids. And prayer is one of the best ways we can. So please stop by those tables. Take several hours. But let's spend this week Praying for our kids because they matter. They matter to Jesus. They matter to God. They mattered 2,000 years ago when the disciples said, stay away. And Jesus said, don't. And became indignant and said, I want those kids on my lap. Jesus cares about our kids today. And we need to care. And we need to do something about it. Pray for our kids. I want you to do a little bit more, and that's notice our kids. Not just your kids, and not just if you work with the kids, all of us. You empty nesters, you gray hairs, notice the kids. Notice them. Don't just notice it, not just that, yeah, look at those kids. That's not what I mean. Notice them and speak to them. Sorry, kids, I'm going to say this. You won't like it. Get to know them. 
If you don't know their name, walk up and ask them what's their name. Remember their name. And next week, say hi to them. Now, this is a challenge. I, I do it, and it's a fun challenge. Because the first one or two times you do it, it's like, stay away from me, you know, sort of. But they've, you see, they live in a world where they have to build walls to save themselves. They have to build walls to protect themselves from being rejected. That nobody cares. That her friends won't be their friends tomorrow because somebody posted on Facebook something stupid. So you start building walls. So you have to persist. And you have to keep talking to them. I had one that I've been working on for a couple months in this church. Saying hi, going out of my way to say hi. Two weeks ago, she smiled. And I walked away thinking, yes. She smiled. Progress. We need to all be doing that. And if you see the kids by themselves on the fringes, those are the ones you especially need to go say hi to. And let them know that we care about them. This is so frustrating to me because we have, I'm sorry, we have the ultimate message our kids need. They are loved by God. They are created by God. They are special and unique. There is no other kid like them because God has plans for them. And here they will be accepted. They will be loved no matter what they do. And we're glad they're here, and we notice them. And we don't just pay for babysitters to stick them in another room. We care about them. And we build spaces for them, and we have teachers for them. And we bring them up here on the stage to do things, and we clap for them. That's what they need to see and hear here. And, and I'm not saying this because we do a bad job. We just can always do better, especially right now. Because our kids desperately need that from us. And we need to encourage them to bring their friends here too because they'll find the same thing. Now I'm going to really scare you. You think Adolphus scared you when he brought a notebook up? I'll scare you more because that's the first half of the sermon. There's another reason children are important to us, and that's the verse we skipped. In verse 15 of chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter into the kingdom of God. I like the way Matthew says it. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Hear that. If I understand what Jesus is saying, he's saying that we need children to be our teachers. 
And I hope you have to sort of get your head around that. Because I think that's what Jesus is saying. We have things to learn from our children. Not just we need to teach them, we need to take care of them, we need to provide for them. They have things to teach us. And we need to see them as that. We need to open ourselves to the lessons, the insights, the wisdom that they have that we need to capture for them. The children have much to teach us about faith and believing the impossible. Daniel in the lion's den for a bunch of grade schoolers or preschoolers? No problem. Of course that happened. Duh. We need to learn from them. No problem believing in God, believing in Jesus. No problem. Praying that is honest and humble and open and nothing pretense. No problem. Just listen to a child's prayers. Trusting God. We need to learn from them. Reading the Bible and believing it's true. We need to learn from them. Accepting miracles is, well, of course they happen. Jesus could walk on water. Who would doubt that? Just us adults. Children have so much to teach us. This is one of my favorite stories. This is a true story. I know all of you know who Carl Bart is. I'm being sarcastic there, but... In the 20th century, the late 20th century, he was one of the greatest theologians in the world. From Germany, professor, scholar. His brain and getting around theology and making it clear and God and, and all this thing that we call faith, he was one of the greatest. In 1962, he was doing a traveling lectureship in the, in the U.S. He normally taught in Germany. They brought him over and he was traveling across the country. In 1962, he spoke at um, Rockefeller Chapel at the University of Chicago. And after he spoke at the chapel, there was a Q&A afterwards. And one of the students raised his hand and said, Dr. Bart, after all of your life and all of your writings and all of your work in understanding theology, can you capture your insights in one sentence? Which only a student could ask a question like that. I mean, really? But Bart was unfazed. Unfazed. And he said, yeah, I can do it in one sentence. And this is what the greatest theologian said. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You think children don't have things to teach us? You don't need a PhD in theology to understand faith. And sometimes our children reduce faith to terms we can get. And we need to be open to that and understanding of that. Faith is not complicated. We need our children to be our teachers and if that's true, then my challenge to you, the other half of this sermon's challenge is, where are you learning from children? 
Now, some of you are with children constantly, so you're learning. But I want to speak to my generation. Where are you around children so you're learning? You see, helping in the children's ministry or helping in the youth ministry isn't just what we give to them. If Jesus is right, and we all believe He is, He's smarter than us, then He says you need to be involved in the children's ministry and working with the youth so you can be learning from them. Because they have much to teach us about faith. So don't look past the children. Listen to them. Learn from them. They're important things to teach us in the children, in their simplicity of faith, in the youth who are going to ask some tougher questions that need to be asked, who are going to question some traditions that honestly need to be questioned, and who are going to come up with fresh and new ideas that we'll never come up with, but they will. We need to be learning from all ages of our young people. Jesus was right. They need us. And we need them. Please look at yourself. How are you caring and loving the young people around you? And how are you letting them teach you? Learn from them. Where are you going to school with young people? I hope you will join us in praying this coming week because they need us now. Let's pray. Father, we are, are heartbroken as we consider the needs in this community right now. And the pain of children... when they should be worrying about who they're going to play with on the playground or who they're going to just spend some time with after school. Father, we want to be tools in your hands. Please use us. Help us see children of all ages through your eyes. Most of all, help us be sensitive to your leading, the Spirit's leading, so you can use us to do whatever you need to do, however you need help. We want to help you care for the children, the young people that you love so deeply. Pray this in your son's name.